And now, live from the shadow of America's mountain, this is Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. And welcome to Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. I am your host, Heath. Hey, Michael's going to be joining us after the commercials today. So we're just going to dive right into it. But before we do that, just want to get a few housekeeping items out of the way. First and foremost, thank you to Dusty Music and Rachel Stormer for the music you hear down below us today. And we appreciate that partnership with them uh, and uh, just enjoy their music and hope you do as well. And make sure to check out rmr.live for all the latest information and updates about the show. And, of course, there is a contact us form. You can submit feedback, comments, suggestions. You can be a guest, recommend a guest. Heck, we don't care if you want to contact us. Use that form. And if you need prayer, there are two ways for us to partner with you in prayer. The first and foremost is the prayer request form on the website. And we would love to partner with you in prayer. The second is the you can write us at prayer at rmr.live. And while you're on the website, be sure to check out the Linktree link, which gets you to all the socials. If you are watching it on YouTube and Rumble, make sure to like and subscribe because a vast majority of our listeners are not subscribers. And I don't know why you'd want to do that because when you're subscribed, you get notified when we post new content. So make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us, of course, on Facebook for additional content information that doesn't always make it to the website. And if you like the show and the show's content and feel led to donate to us, there are links to do so on the website. They're going to be uh, in the show description down below and, of course, on your screen. And don't forget, guys, about the RMR and Waymaker merch shop. Let's see if we can get it on screen. There it is. Tumblr I'm drinking out of is Rocky Mountain Revival Radio merch. Uh, there are all kinds of items out there uh, from cups to T-shirts. We're going to be adding some new stuff down the road. So make sure to check out shop. Dot rmr dot live for all your merch needs and before we get into today's amazing show which is a continuation of the jude series uh, this is gonna be jude part three and i know it's been a minute since we were in the jude series we had uh, donna wilcox and mark roby on as well kind of interrupting that so matter of fact that was last season that we were in the jude series so we're gonna pick that back up with a little recap and, and a teaching today as part three but before we do that, of course, we have some commercials. So let's dive right into those. The first one, of course, is With Love Custom Crafts. We have now been partnered with my friend Kenzie at With Love Custom Crafts for a little while. If you've been listening to the show, you know. And With Love Custom Crafts is a Christian-owned small business. Her products are primarily focused towards women. The company tagline reads, creating custom quality items at affordable prices, all made with love. So make sure to check out withlovecustomcrafts.com and make sure you tell my friend Kenzie I said hey when you place that order. And next we have for you Bite Tag. RMRR and Waymaker have been partnered with Bite Tag now for a little bit as well. Bite Tag is the safest and most advanced pet tag on the market. It allows you to create a personal profile for you and your pet. When scanned, you'll get a notification that your pet's tag has been scanned. It also gives the scanner the option to notify the pet's owner that the pet has been found and uses GPS tracking to notify the owner of the pet's location. There is no monthly or annual service or subscription fees, and Bite Tag puts your privacy first. Bite Tag is truly the last pet tag you will ever need. As an added bonus, when you use discount code RMRR15, that is RMRR15, you'll get a 15% discount off the purchase price. And make sure to check out the new Bite Tag Slide, which attaches directly to your pet's collar. With the Bite Tag Slide, there's zero risk of it getting caught on objects while your dog is playing or moving around. 
Next, of course, is Redemption Squad. Our next outreach with them is going to be July 8th. That's this coming weekend. If you're in the Colorado Springs area and you're looking for something to do and a good way to help out and support a good cause, join us at Redemption Squad. We're going to meet on Friday, July 7th at 6 p.m. at Radiant Church's Central Campus to assemble provision boxes. And we're going out into an area off of Jet Wing, I believe, this time. And then we'll be meeting up on Saturday, July 8th at 10 a.m. to go over the game plan, take communion and pray together, uh, receive further instruction before we go out and impact another neighborhood before uh, Mario Murillo's Living Proof Tent Crusade uh, the following, let's see, two weeks from now, I guess. Just about two weeks. And finally, guys, Valentine Comfort Shoes. If you are walking, why don't you walk on over to Valentine Comfort Shoes? If you're, if you're running, then you definitely need to run on over to Valentine Comfort Shoes. Valentine Comfort Shoes, of course, is where your feet are going to find relief. Uh, run by uh, United States Navy veterans, Sean and Amy Blake. Uh, they are highly recommended across the state of Colorado. There are many doctors that refer patients to Valentine Comfort Shoes uh, for special um, customizations to your shoes to just help get things in alignment for your knees, your ankles, your lower back. So come on down to Valentine Comfort Shoes. Say hi to Sean and Amy. While you're there, get some prayer. And of course, just like Michael and Chris and I, we all sport Valentine Comfort Shoes. You should as well. So Valentine Comfort Shoes, where your feet find relief. And now let's see if we can get connected with Michael and let's get into today's teaching. All right. Well, we've got Michael in with us now and we're ready to jump into the third part in this series, uh, Jew to Jesus Perspective. Uh, part three, and we've done, um, you know, only through the first, first what, uh, nine verses so far in this teaching, but there's been a whole lot of information that the Holy Spirit's led us to and, and had us dive into. And so um, one thing I wanted to make sure we hit in the recap, you know, we're not going to skip, you know, we're going to do one through nine for you, go back and watch those. But there was some new revelation that Michael had in regards to um, Satan and Moses' bones we talked about in episode two. So Michael, why don't you catch up on that and then we'll dive into verse 10 and just get rolling along. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, we were talking about how uh, Moses's body was being argued about uh, by Satan and Michael. And it's just such a phenomenal thing that the Bible says. And it makes you have a lot of questions like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I am just so thankful and and i did uh, this was highly inspired by a teaching i was listening to so i can't take all the credit for this uh idea but the scriptures do touch on you know these types of themes um and so yeah why why heath let's just kind of ask that together why why was his body being uh, it's a dead body right okay um why was his body being argued over and you have to look at other dead bodies. Uh, godly dead bodies really is probably the best direction to go with that. Right. Now, there's one example. Uh, I don't think there's another example, actually. But there's definitely one example of a powerful dead body. And that would be Elisha's dead body, his bones. So a man falls on his bones who was dead. And the man falls on Elisha's bones. And this man... <clears throat> comes back to life like immediately as soon as he touches the bones of Elijah, Elisha of Elisha. So, um, so what we're really talking about is what is the special factor then of Moses? Well, similarly to Elijah and 
you know, he pre predates Elijah, but similar to Elijah, Moses was heavily anointed. I mean, yes. you know, by this guy, the Red Sea parted. And I know God did it, but God also told him to raise up that staff. And, uh, and he did. And then it parted. So there's that clear partnership there. But um, Moses's face was glowing. You know, in fact, it was so powerful that he had to have a veiled face. And, and he got this glowing face while being in the presence of the Lord for a whole month straight without food or water. The Lord sustained him in the, this fiery uh, cloud on this mountain. And guys, you can still see uh, Horeb today. You can still see this mountain today. Um, it was Mount Carmel, right? Is that right, Heath? Yes, I, I believe, believe so. Yeah. So you can still see Mount Carmel today in the Middle East. And it is there's a, it is a mountain that is dark. It has a black top and it is not like it's an anomaly in the area. So um, there's real physical proof for this mountain being on fire today. Well, anyway, Moses was in this fiery cloud and the presence of the Lord was booming and thundery and, and very scary and very fearful. And yet he still goes in the midst of it knowing he has a relationship with God. And so his face glows and he had to have a veil over his face. And so through Moses, a lot of stuff happened. And so um, if you even think about the satanic works today, he think about some of the crazy stuff going on in the earth today. Uh, there's evil stuff being done with body parts today. Right. So this is not out of Satan's character to mess with uh, human bodies. Right. In weird ways. I mean, if you look at uh, ancient peoples, they were messing around with uh, their, well, there's giants in ancient times. There's, there's giant bones in ancient times. Uh, the Nephilim, you know, that's, that's biblical. These giants, um, how they got giants is, is a whole other story. Uh, but then there's, let me just break this down real quick. Now that I stepped in that Heath. Okay. So there's two, <laughs> there's two schools here. There's the, there's the giants that became giants because mom and dad were different. Dad right. would have been an angel, a fallen angel who chose to go after this wife of earth as Genesis six verse six says. And then, um, then there was another whole little system there. Uh, there was a guy named Nimrod after the flood. He's the first, uh, I believe the first emperor of Babylon and Nimrod became became a giant he didn't start out out his life with weird um genes and structure and and the, he became one and ancient pictures of nimrod show him standing and holding a lion like a kitty cat and that's wow. just not hyperbole that's that was a self-portrait back in the day uh he wouldn't like okay these people these these ancients they bragged about everything there was un there's untruths all over these ancient writings. And that's why the Bible is actually really amazing, guys. The Bible is amazing because it shows the messiness of life. It's very honest about the mistakes in life. Um, if you if you look at the ancient families in Genesis, they're very clear about the mistakes made. Right. Um, Genesis three, Genesis two. There's there's mis you know the mistakes of of uh, man and woman of Adam and Eve and and it just keeps on going with their family line. They, there's The Bible is very honest about these mistakes. So um, I'm trying to think of the exact text I just quoted to show Nimrod being that tall. And also uh, I quoted it in another way. But anyway, I could be 
I can't remember it, Heath, right now, but maybe I'll it'll pop in my head as we uh anyway. <laughs> I think the, yeah, I can't remember the ancient um it's his own writings, essentially. It's it's Nimrod's own writings, is what I'm <laughs> quoting. So anyway. So um so anyway, along those lines, we're talking about Moses and why his dead body might still have some juice in it that Satan might want to take advantage of. That's what we're really talking about. Right. So, therefore, here comes the revelation. If you're still with us, here's the revelation. <laughs> the revelation is Satan doesn't have, I don't think Satan's as powerful as, as a lot of people think he is. Right. And if he can take advantage of some God power, even if it's in a dead body, uh, oh, of course, if it's in a dead body, he's going to take advantage of it. I mean, if, if he can use Moses's body to resurrect someone he wants to be resurrected, he would do that. And so here comes Michael making the interception and uh, praise God for that. And we also talked about last time how God is there, how God himself is there. Right. And we looked at the source text for that too. Um, so if you want to look, I, I hope this recap whets your appetite for the last episode. It's a really good last episode of the Jude series. And um, here we go with the uh, furtherance, the furtherance of Jude. <laughs> the so, furtherance. Well, I just, yeah. just kind of recap what you said there. I think the, the takeaway is... And we've talked about it before on on Rocky Mountain Five Radio that the anointing is transferable, and that's I think Amen. that's the, that is the short version of what Michael was trying to say was that the anointing is transferable, and so Saint could grab those bones it. and could easily transfer that anointing, that healing, that whatever to anybody he needs or wants, and so that's that was the importance of Moses' bones uh, being talked about. Go ahead. Well, and that's just great, isn't it, Heath? Because we can also do that, and Satan wishes to do that with God's anointing too. But right. we can do it. Right. And so, guys, pr I guess even right now, Lord, I just pray that you would touch people with the anointing, that you would make it very clear even right now, Lord, that, that the anointing is on them, and they can lay hands on people and pray f and command it and, and declare the anointing on people. Yes in a um, exercise of exousia authority type of way. Yeah. And they will be healed, says the Bible. And um, so anyway, yeah, I just released that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, just make all of our listeners aware of your anointing on them. It is yes, something sir. that Satan wishes to have. Yes, for sure. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, diving in then, guys, uh, again, Go back and watch one and two if you haven't. And we're going to hop right into verse 10 today. Yes. All right. Verse 10, let's read it. Uh, I'm reading out of an NASB. Um, so if that helps you, if you have one of those, grab one of those. Or if not, grab your favorite. Um, shoot. I, I don't care if you're grabbing a passion translation. Grab one. Grab something. Right. Okay. <clears throat> but these men revile the things which they do not understand. <clears throat> Heath, have you ever, ever reviled something? Oh, and I know this is a kind of maybe a personal <laughs> question. Have you ever reviled something uh, which you don't understand? Um, I think quite often in my life. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I like, have. Uh, almost on the daily, it feels like. But <laughs> Can you share one more item? Um, can I share one more item? Um, you know, actually, I think a lot of times it's all about understanding what God's doing or what he's not doing or why you're not seeing things because our our timelines, our perspectives, our expectations are so much 
shorter than what he's doing. And so sometimes, man, I'll sit here and just be thinking about like, well, why hasn't this happened yet? Or why, why am I still waiting on this? Or why is this still going on? Um, you know, and, and oftentimes too, like, you know, just the last couple of days with um, here in America, Independence Day happening and, and realizing that, you know, in a lot of ways, our country is like just gone. And, and, and again, you just, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. For for 247 years, this country has been a beacon of hope and light for the rest of the planet. And yet now it's kind of like we're a big joke and a laughing stock. And, I, and so I, I, I ponder that, you know, as why. And I heard somebody say yesterday that, you know, I'm not a I'm not a proud to be an American anymore. I'm proud of the patriots in this country. I'm proud of the people that are willing to stand up and, and voice and, and to push for things to, to get fixed and whatever. But I'm not proud to be an American. And I and I had to pause and, and think about that for a little bit. So, you know, it's just I guess sometimes when we're we're not understanding another person's point of view or we're not understanding why certain things are going on or, you know, why um well, I'm just gonna call out some stuff because I'm already on this tangent. You know, why um uh, sex trafficking and all this children's stuff is like huge right now in the world. Like, I don't understand that. And so, you know, there there are many a times when I can just sit and ponder the things which I don't understand because I don't I don't have that that mindset or that mentality. I don't see the world that way. Um, I don't see that we should have race issues because to me, according to the scriptures, there's only one race, the human race. So it's not about black, white, brown, yellow, whatever. It's there's one one race, the human race. And and so again, I I, I ponder some of these things in our world because um, I, I don't get it. I don't understand where the hate, the division, all this other stuff's coming from. It's it's kind of funny how how you can just kind of get lost on a rabbit hole of, you know, the things we do not understand. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it's almost like in this text here, it's like the next step further uh, is reviling it. Uh, but these men revile the things which they do not understand in verse 10 and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals by these things, they are destroyed. Yeah, and and isn't that interesting? Like, um, it is talking about spiritual things here to keep in context of what the well, <laughs> yeah. That's why that's why they're reviling it. That's why that's why there's an approach of pride. Is it is something that they might be near, but they're not understanding it. They haven't grasped it. For if they did, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. That's 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 a uh, an undertone in this statement. Right. Um, but that is just the case of these certain individuals who snuck in. That's just it is they may not understand their entire life. That's the problem with these individuals. Right. And, and, and there's such a stubbornness. There's such a pride thing going on there that when they do get near the spiritual things, they stomp on it like a pig to a pearl. You don't just give your pearls, you know, to a pig. Uh, pigs can't handle the preciousness of pearls. And these people here are, they can't handle the truth. Right. Well, and I guess I want to, I want to clarify something because um, my own lack of understanding, the word revile actually is to criticize in an abusive or angry or insulting manner. So when we're talking about, we're reviling things we don't understand, we're, we're coming Thank at you for reading that definition. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so I just want to I want to clarify. So because again, it 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 even talks about here, um, you know, specific Bible meaning to abuse to abuse or attack with evil words. Um, so when you're reviled, you're being um, you know persecuted in a way. If if you're the you're on the receiving end of that, so um, 
So yeah, just just throw out that definition there. Well, thank you for that definition because immediately we have to touch on this. That is why prophets are being reviled. It's because people don't understand it. Right. That is what that when the when the Bible says don't revile prophecy, don't revile, it is the same definition at work. It's a misunderstanding and it's it's a it's an inclination to revile. And literally revile can be as simple as here's Matt again. Here's here's Judy again. Oh man, you know, we have to get a word here. Right. Okay, it's like that's reviling. As exactly. subtle as that. So so what's so potent about this small book of Jude is it's touching on things we see in church all the time. Right. So, let's continue. And I actually want to read verse 10 again. But these men and women revile the things which they do not understand. A good example is prophecy. Why? Because the Bible talks about don't revile, don't revile prophecy. And the things which they know by instinct, wow, they revile the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things, they are destroyed. Hmm. Does any, uh, does that make any sense? Heath? Does any uh, example pop up to you in mind of that, of that second line there in verse 10? Yeah, I was trying to think as where I might have, you know, had similar kind of thing or whatever. Like I'm just still kind of sitting here going, okay, they're they're coming at the stuff they don't understand. They're coming at the stuff they do know by instinct that they know to be true. And yet these these men are, you know, speaking against this in such a way. And so um it, it, to to lead to their downfall even. That's just like it's like wow. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I think the key phrase for our understanding here today is like um, unreasoning animals. So they're not reasoning. <clears throat> the scriptures say, <clears throat> uh, come, let's reason together. It's God talking to someone. I forget who right now. Come, let's reason together. And what that's implying is come to God and let's reason from the scriptures. And it's such a kind invitation. And that's what we're trying to exhibit here today on RMRR. We're, we're trying to show us reasoning and exhibit us reason with the scriptures and it says in verse 10 unreasoning animals animals carnal animals do not reason like if you go up to a raccoon and you go oh mr raccoon oh poor little boy oh they're not they don't care like they might be afraid of you want to bite you or they might run away but they're not going to reason with you they're going to go you know what that's a great idea michael i i should be careful what i'm eating <laughs> No, they're going to be gross. They're animals. They're unreasoning, you know, um, by these things, they are destroyed. And so it's a double-edged sword for them from what they know by instinct, from what they don't know, uh, they make fun of and, and what they should know, they are unreasoning. It's a double-edged sword, which frankly is what the Bible is too. Right. So there's actually a reference to unreasoning animals in Second Peter 2.12 that basically describes an unreasoning animal as creatures of instinct born only to be caught and destroyed. So mm. that's that's the comparison to how these guys are. So, you're, so their main <laughs> purpose is hunting season. Basically. These animals' main purpose is to be around to be hunted. Basically. Wow. I, I You know, sometimes he, we're in the revelation realm we're in the revelation zone and we're just revelatory. But I think the text here is so rich. It's almost like we're not in the revelation realm, but right. we, we shouldn't be with this text here. That's amazing. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's head on into 11. And frankly, folks, 11, we had to really be careful with because when you rightly divide the word of God or you endeavor to, sometimes you have to cover uh, some of the gamut of scripture and you have to be very fair with it and bring it forth honestly. And at the beginning of this venture in Jude, we, I wanted to show uh, you kind of like a freestyle of scripture of, of two guys kind of freestyling through scripture uh, in in my opinion, maybe a better way. But when we get to verse 11, there you, you better do your homework because you cannot represent such a major theme as Balaam uh, in the New Testament because it's it's a strong theme in the New Testament and it's huge uh, in uh, the Old Testament. But it Balaam is referred to in the New Testament. You got to know what they're talking about because it's only a reference in the New Testament. And it's like assuming like everyone knew, you know, in these New Testament references about Balaam. So if you don't know, and it's assuming that you know. Well, you better get to know. So that's what we did. Now, well, and I have we've done our studies on Balaam right. in prior prior lives, prior seasons, and <laughs> we just we just need to refresh. We just need to be honest for you guys. Go ahead, Heath. Well, I was just saying, I'm glad you brought that up because I did not include that in the intro to this episode um, before the commercials and whatnot. That we actually, this is now the third week that we've sat down to actually go to do this episode for you guys. Um, we sat down the first week and thought, hey, we had this, we had it under control, and we're both sitting there going, you know, maybe we really don't. And so we came together last week, and we were, we were again, thinking we were good to go. And Holy Spirit was like, but are you? But are you? And so yeah. we spent, yeah. I don't know, it was like three, four hours just diving through scripture, trying to make sure yeah. that we had a good understanding of what was going on here so we could then turn around and share with you guys. And so this this episode in the series is definitely um, different than what we are. The purpose of the series was was just for freestyle scripture and being in the in the spirit together and just connecting things and just showing you how the Bible's alive with with all of this. This one here is the first one in the series that we've actually had to sit down and study in depth and plan out how we were going to attack it um, so we couldn't just freestyle this. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up and thank you for the the reminder there. So verse well, 11. Well, not only that, but that one week, that one week you just referred to, it wasn't just our homework that needed to be done. There was something apparently in us that needed to be done. And, right. and to be honest with our Christian brothers and sisters on here, I mean, I just got off of a few days of fasting and I didn't see that coming either. So there's been some process in life that we didn't see coming that right. apparently needed to happen. So I really hope, Lord Jesus, I really hope that this shows, you know, so let's endeavor further together, I guess. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So verse 11, woe to them, exclamation point. <laughs> Yeah, this is very harsh language. Um, this is like, this is a, a, a phrase. We're talking about condemnation here. Like when you see a woe, like it's the worst, it's one of the worst words of the Bible. Woe to them. It's, a, it's one of the strongest warnings is what we're trying to say. Woe to them. For, because they have gone the way of Cain. They have gone the way of Cain. So Cain, verse 11, our first example in verse 11. Verse 11 is a three-pronged verse it's uh there's going to be three statements that he just glosses over assuming that we all know what he is talking about or could be talking about so our first example is cain um committing to god so here's what cain did he committed to god an unholy 
easier gotten sacrifice. He committed to God an unholy, easier gotten sacrifice. How many times have we given the easier gotten sacrifice to God? Yeah. Like a lot, you know, and there you go. And hey, we're on a new covenant, thank God, because what happened with Cain is like it was immediate fruit for this, like immediately after he did it. So thank God, you know, that we're not seeing um, in our let's touch on this real quick in the covenant we have right now with God, which would be through Jesus in the Holy Spirit. It'd be by Jesus's blood. It would be by the sacrifice on the cross. It would be by the price he paid uh, for us to receive us. Okay. Um, That he might receive us, I should say. That's even such a sacrifice for the might. But anyway, we we have such a covering of grace, guys, because of the blood of Jesus. Uh, And so some of these sacrifices we give to God aren't really sacrifices. And so Cain is kind of walking in that. Um, Heath, do you have anything there to touch on there? I don't think so. Um, I think we, yeah, I think we're good with that actually. Okay. Committing to God an, an unholy, easier gotten sacrifice. Um, and then not just that, the immediate fruit of that, when God showed the righteous favor with his brother, Abel, who the Bible says was a prophet. Yep. It does. Uh, Committing to God an unholy, easier gotten sacrifice. So they, they, the sacrifice takes place. The righteous one is shown to be his brother Abel. Cain murders Abel. Uh, murdering the one. So Abel, I'm sorry. Cain murders the one with right relationship. What Jude is implying, little brother of Jesus, remember he was raised with someone who had right relationship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this. Jude was raised right next to Jesus or in, or in vicinity. Maybe he's, maybe he's years, years younger. Maybe probably not. Right. And he's raised close enough to proximity of Jesus. He can relate to Cain. Jude and Jacob or James believe in Jesus after he came back from the dead. So Jude can really relate to this example. Because, yeah, Jude didn't kill anyone because Jesus was more uh, holier than him. <laughs> he was more right relationship with God than him. But can you imagine, Eve, Jude had to be aware of something going on between him, his relationship with his brother and him. Right. There had to be a something. Maybe he couldn't. He didn't know. He didn't know the reference reference in the Bible uh, all his years. But the, Jude and Jesus is a perfect example of Cain and Abel. So, so uh, Cain murders the one with right relationship with God because Abel understood something and he brought a better sacrifice. And God lit that sacrifice on fire. And 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 there wasn't much going on with Cain. Keith, you got anything? Well, I was just thinking as we were had studied last week. You know, the one thing that. I guess I I understood on some level was, you know that that Abel brings, um, you know he's a a rancher, so he's bringing meat to the the altar, whereas Cain's a, a farmer, so he's bringing produce to the altar, and and in there God finds favor with Abel's, but not with Cain's, and instead of like seeking to understand or like you know even wanting to repent or whatever, this man just freaks out and gets angry. And, you know, we see this whole immediate downfall through the text 
of of Cain to where him not having the right relationship with God to bring the right things to the altar, to bring, you know, um, a, a right mindset as he's doing this, um, and then immediately getting angry and leading to his downfall, killing his brother, and, and to be basically um, labeled for all eternity now as is this kind of a reference gone the way of Cain? Like that means something um, right. or should mean something to anyone who's, who's, yeah. you know, spent some time in the word. And so I just think that's interesting that, that even last week, as we were going through this, just kind of in our own personal study time together, that like on one hand, you know, sometimes I guess I've, I've felt that way. You know, when you come yeah. to God, you come to God and you're like, this is all I've got and this is all I can present. And then you still walk away from that encounter sometimes. Um, not feeling like you know you're you were received the way you wanted to be you weren't fully accepted with love and you still walked away with kind of some guilt or shame or whatever um because i know i've been there in my life when i wasn't um you know passionately seeking jesus like i am now i can speak from time before and say yes i was at a point where i could relate to this man now did i you know lose my <laughs> lose my stuff and you know kill my brother no but like I could at least understand how he was kind of feeling a little jilted in the moment. Um, but again, I think that's where, you know, having that right posture in your heart, that right relationship with Jesus. So even even if your offering's not the best one that you can give him that day or in that moment or that season or whatever, because you've got the right relationship, you're still going to be received and still going to have that, uh, uh, I guess the word I'm looking for is favor, um, you know, and, and it's, and it's going to be okay. And right. so we don't have this kind of situation now, thank God. But favor but again, comes through the blood. Exactly. And so I'm and, I'm glad that I've ahead. learned this lesson. Like I'm glad I've learned this lesson. Like because I, yeah. you know, I could I could relate. So well, and check this out too. So let's let's just think scripturally here. Okay, Cain's sacrifice resembles something else that happened in his parents' past, and he would have known exactly what happened in his parents' past. There's no reason they didn't tell this story over and over again and learn the story over and over again because they wanted to get back into the Garden of Eden. And so such is our lives, right? We right. want to get to heaven. We want to get back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, so let's let's think about this. The first thing when the fall happens that his parents did was cover themselves with a plant, with fig leaves, right? Right. Cain's uh, Cain's sacrifice is a plant, right? So some he I don't know if he's understanding mom and dad's story very well because he also knows further in the story that God is the first one to slay an animal and give them skins, and that's what the Bible says. He God gave uh, Adam and Eve skins, which implies not just that he also it it is saying um, it imply I'm, I'll stick with implies because I haven't done my homework on this, so I'll stick with implies. It implies that not only was one skin given to them because of shed blood, because God killed an animal and made clothes out of it for them. So that, that would be one skin. But it says skins. So it is implying that is when we got thicker skin, Heath. Right. That is why, because before the skin was there, there was glory there. And what do I mean by glory? Light. I mean light. Why do I mean like you? Because Adam and Eve or man and woman used to be a direct image, a mere image of the image of God before the fall. And we were supposed to be that too. Right. But once you're, before you're born again, 
into Christ, you are made, as uh, Genesis chapter 2 says, you are made into the image of Adam. Everyone is. When you're born into this world, you're born into the image of Adam. And then Jesus comes along and, and well, thank God Abraham comes along, right? Because we get the covenant of believing in God with faith or believing by faith in God, okay? So there, there was the route of Abraham, right? Believing in God with faith, the trusting relationship with God was around before Jesus. It was a lot harder before right. Holy Spirit. But Jesus comes around and you're again in the, in the coven, covenantal Abrahamic faith relationship of in God through Jesus Christ now. Okay, cool. So that's what we all have. And then you're born again into the image of God. That process starts happening with you. Okay, so Abel had an understanding of such things enough. We don't know his whole revelation of it yet. Maybe Adam told him, you know, praise God. Maybe dad told him about all those godly encounters he had with God. Maybe, I mean, guys, the, the sky's the limit with what Adam even encountered before Eve, because the Bible is clear that Adam knew more than Eve did. Right. And and he still chose to not jump in and save her from the demonic attack of the snake tempting her. And that's why it that's the big problem there. That was his big problem. So so he's held at a higher level. He's held at you know, and men in your families, right? Men are leaders of families because they're God holds them accountable accountable at a higher level. He does not hold the wife um at, at, at such a high level as scripturally as he does the man. And, and my, my reference to that specifically, and, and this is such an organic Holy Spirit conversation here, <laughs> right. but my reference to that specifically is Ephesians five. If you look at the man's portion in Ephesians five, oh, yeah. it is a lot longer guys. <laughs> yes, it, it is, is a lot longer than the girl's section. Ladies, God knows. Okay. Just, I want, I want to say that. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Back to the text. When we're talking about, for they have gone the way of Cain, in verse 11 of Jude, it is implying a lot. But these people are depending on wrong sacrifice. They are not depending on right sacrifice. And it is so clear that we need to be in relationship with God by the blood in faith. Yep. He's, yep. Making, he's making that clear distinction by just the small little hyperlink, scripture hyperlink. Um, and Jude is of the Jewish church. So he, he is trusting that these people have a good idea of scripture enough to know this hyperlink, the way of Cain. Right. Heath, I think, I think we did some justice to that. I think we did as well. And, and I, again, you know, just that, that heart posture, that relationship is so important. And that, that again, is another big takeaway in, in what we're talking about here, your relationship, your, um, just your, your commitment to pursuing him and allowing him into your life and to, kicking out all the other stuff that's you know sin pride and all this other stuff that that we've talked about before on the show that are that are not um of the kingdom and so heart posture heart posture heart posture guys all right yeah amen <clears throat> our second example in verse 11 <laughs> is good old balaam well that old balaam according to <laughs> the bible and it says here after that cain text um and for pay for payment they have rushed headlong, so headfirst. They go headfirst. 
has anyone dived into the ocean or, or a pool or whatever head first? <laughs> yeah, that's what's being said. So for pay, Maybe. you jump in head first, okay? Um, and into the error, the pool. So the pool that you just dived into is the error of Balaam. The error of Balaam. Keith, you got any comments on that before we go forward? No, I don't actually. I was just gonna pull up my uh, Bible text here. And Heath, I'm trusting our homework because I'm gonna just go head over to Second Peter uh, chapter two, one through twenty-two. So now head with us to Second Peter chapter two. Uh, Peter, where are you? Second Peter chapter two, verse one through twenty-two. So let's read. Let's read together, Heath. If we can get out of this, Heath, well, I'm gonna be surprised. But false prophets, wow. You know, and by the way, Peter and Jude were friends, just so you know. They knew of each other. They were always around each other. Peter, Jude, James were always around each other. We see that in, um, oh, where do we see that? Oh, we see that in Galatians. (laughs) Right. Yes. In PGP, we're doing a study of Galatians. Um, And in Galatians, uh, Paul visits uh, James which is another brother of Jesus, James. Okay. And he also mentions that he visited with Cephas, which is Peter in that visit. So Peter, James, and Jude were, were, were always around each other. They were around each other enough to rub off on each other for sure. Um, that'd be Galatians one. If y'all want to do, do your good Berean homework. There you go. Um, second Peter chapter two, verse one, but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers. Clear distinction, false prophets, false teachers, among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Hmm. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. As we saw with Cain, the way of the truth was maligned. He heard those stories from mom and dad. Adam and Eve. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Hey, Heath, are you hearing any similarities between this book and Jude? They sound so similar. Right. They sound a lot alike. Um, for if God, ooh, for God is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Verse, verse four. For if God did not spare angels, we just talked about that in Jude, I believe. For if God did not spare angels, or we're going to, for God, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, when God brought the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, to destruction by reducing them to ashes and you can go to you can you can go to israel and see the remains of sodom and gomorrah today um there's a lot of there's a lot of uh uh, brimstone right uh there's a lot yeah whatever that is um i can't think of what yellowstone sulfur sulfuric brimstone there's a lot of that and it's anomalous in the area it's mounds of this stuff in the area okay um, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example. So Sodom and Gomorrah are an example to those who would live ungodly thereafter. 
And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day with their lawless deed. And, and I just want to touch on this. Lot was tortured by all the sin going on around him. That's what I just said there. Right. Then the Lord knows. So he gave some examples there. Now he's saying this. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly. Hey, guys. The Lord knows your situation. He knows how to rescue you. Amen. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. He knows how to get you out of temptation and to rescue you from it. It's not the end of the world. True story. Yet. 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 Mm. Biblically, yet. It's not the end of the world yet. <laughs> right. Um, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. Daring self-willed, daring self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile, cha-ching, when they mm. revile angelic majesties. So, Apostle Jude and Apostle Peter had their thumb on some activity going on. <laughs> right. They are talking about the same kind of infiltrators here. When they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals. My goodness. Look at the exact quotes from each other here. Jude and Peter are quoting each other here. Well, they're and they're inspired by the Holy Spirit as they write too. Right. But these like unreasoning animals born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed. Cha-ching! There's another similarity. We just talked about it. Reviling where they have no knowledge will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. You do wrong, you're going to suffer the wages of doing wrong. They count it pleasure to rebel. They love this. They count it they count it pleasure to rebel. In the daytime, they are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deception as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery. Hmm. Guys, just a quick note here. Idolatry and adultery are the same thing. And that never cease from sin. So having eyes full of adultery, they never cease from sin. Enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed. Accursed children. Yes, that's what that means, by the way. Accursed children. Like the son of perdition. So they're following Jude's example, not Peter's example. Gosh, Peter, that's pretty bold of you. Mm. Well, he was around when Jude betrayed, you know? He, you know. So there was some clarity eventually, especially when the Holy Spirit came, John 14, 26. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll remember everything I taught you. So trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, the able way, pun intended. Hmm. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam. There we are. There's Balaam. Hi, Balaam. The son of Beor, who loved the wages. This is the why we're going to Second Peter is Peter apostolically, perfectly for us, explains Balaam's problem. It's actually... A little tough to find in the Old Testament. It's not impossible. I'm not saying, oh, you got to be a scholar to find out what happened with Balaam in the Old Testament. No, I'm saying um, we, we're, we're just keeping it New Testament because Peter expertly explains what happened. Um, 
So we read that again. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now, guys, Balaam was a unrighteous, dead accurate prophet. He had dead accurate understanding and could prophesy the nitty gritty details and blow your brains out. And yet, this is this was his problem. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages, loved the wages of unrighteousness. He liked what you got from unrighteousness because of his God-given gift better than he liked relationship with God, righteous relationship with God as being a prophet, which God gave him that ability. He was born that way, but he received a rebuke for his own transgression. Here's the rebuke. And you can go back to the Old Testament. And look at this. For a dumb donkey, a nonverbal donkey becomes verbal. Speaking with the voice of a man, a donkey received the voice of a man, re- restrained the madness of the prophet, the prophet Balaam. These, these are springs without water, mist driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. Peter just said that the unrighteous prophet, and Corinthians 13 also says this too, guys. First Corinthians 13 says all those gifts, prophecy, uh, if you can heal the sick, if you can move a mountain with a word, if you knew all things like God does. Okay, but if you did that without love, it's nothing. Here's this. Here's here's another scriptural uh, uh, cotangent to that. But we're talking about Balaam. He was the most accurate dude, yet he was using it unrighteously. It was a God-given gift. He's using it unrighteously, uh, and he loves the unrighteousness that it brings him. It loves it. Lo- he loves the pay. Okay, and. Peter just emphasizes that these are springs without water. So Balaam was a spring without water. Born-again Christians filled with the Holy Spirit are springs with water. And mists driven by a storm. Mists are vapors that are here one day and gone, well, are here for a moment and gone the next moment. For whom the black darkness has been preserved. So not only is your life, but momentarily. But once you're dead, black darkness is your is your uh, fortune. It's your uh, destiny. Keith, any thoughts on Peter's breakdown? Um, I, you know the again, I'm just loving the similarities between how Peter's speaking and how Judah's speaking, and just the whole again being very specific, citing things that people specifically in that day and time would know. You know, this is how bad things are. Uh, because they, you know, they memorized the Bible. They didn't have it on their phone. They didn't have it on, you know, in a book they could carry around. They had to memorize the scrolls. And so they knew when you drop a reference like this, it's like, oh, okay, stuff's bad. Stuff's real bad. If you're they're comparing in here, this to this. They're asking exactly. themselves, the righteous yeah. ones in this in this scenario are going, they're in here? Right. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and no, the, no, it's just, and, you know, the just the way that they lay it out. So even if you're not really fully aware, you still get the the subtext of what's being said. Like, you know, there there's like the text and the subtext. Like you still understand. You might not understand it as well, but you still you still get it because of the way that they're just wordsmithing this out. Um, mm-hmm. So Holy Spirit awesomeness right there and just giving them the right things to say because you definitely understand when you read this, man, there's a whole lot of not great stuff going on and we didn't even see it here. That's the other thing that I just still amazes me. Like they, that, that Peter and Jude are both like, look at this stuff that's come in and here's comparison to what it's like. And it's kind of like, you guys haven't seen it, but thankfully here I am to, you know, 
help correct the situation. Um, I was also thinking too, as you're reading, um, just for our listeners' benefit, um, Numbers thirty-one sixteen kind of gives a brief recap of Balaam's advice and kind of enticing the unfaithful Israelites to um, not do what they're supposed to do and causing a plague. And then Numbers twenty-two, chapter twenty-two, it talks about Balaam and Balaam's donkey and the whole nine yards there. So, if you want to go back yeah. and get the 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 base text from the old testament that's where those are at so yeah and and balaam got paid for messing with uh the open doors uh, the problems the suscept um he knew how the israelites would fall that's what i'm trying to say uh and he informed the enemy and got paid for it because the enemy wanted him to uh curse israel he says i literally can't it's not gonna work you cannot curse this people god has blessed them but he tells them what you can do <laughs> right <laughs> to infiltrate that system he, he does he tells them what you can do and he gets paid for it and it works so he loved he loved his he loved getting paid for unrighteousness so um uh, verse 18 says for speaking out arrogant words of vanity they entice by fleshly desires by sensuality those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. So, uh, man, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. So going after the way of Balaam, you're hunting the little ones. You're hunting the vulnerable ones um, for your own gain. Right. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as, such as these. For I tell you, if anyone hinders one of these, oh, spiritual little ones too, he's talking about. But if anyone hinders a young Christian or a young child, it would be better for him. It would be better. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting touched here. I, I, have, I have to say this under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It would be better for that person who is hindering one of these little ones for a millstone, which is a big uh, circular stone with a hole in the middle. For that stone, like I'm talking like a boulder, for that stone to be tied around your neck and you to be dropped into the ocean. It would be better for that to be your fate than for what's coming for you. Yikes. Here's the amazing thing, though. If we go to 2 Kings chapter 6, Verse six, we see an episode where a young prophet has an issue. He just lost his his axe head into the Jordan River, and the problem with that was not that he had lots of axe axes and axe heads. No, he didn't. He was in debt, and this was a borrowed axe head, and he loses that axe head into the river. Now, if you know anything about metal and water, metal sinks. Okay, and he informs his uplink elisha praise god hey this just happened and it's borrowed i don't even own it elisha takes a stick from along the shore of the jordan river he says hey uh young man uh where where was it dropped elisha takes a stick throws it into that area and the axe head floats now let's connect that with what jesus just said so you're sinking to the bottom of the ocean with a millstone tied around your neck because you messed with one of God's little ones. And that's a better fate for you than hell, is what Jesus is saying. And we have this cross-reference of someone who is desperate, knowing they were in debt. Someone who is desperate 
going to their leader, going to one who knows of God's redemptive plan and saying, hey, uh, I'm in debt and I messed up. I don't know what to do, but I know to go to you about it. And God will make that millstone or that axe head float and you'll be out of debt. And I just wanted to share the multiple layers in God's redemptive plan there. Uh, God wanted me to shoot. He reminded me of that link. Because there's some of you guys who have messed with kids in some way, shape, or form. I mean, there's some, there's some kids who have been abused in this world. And sometimes we may add to that. Maybe we didn't do all the damage, but maybe we weren't the kindest one day. And I'm not saying God's going to throw you into the ocean with a millstone tied around your neck just because you weren't kind to a child. But if your unkindness hindered them from getting to Jesus, you are in risk of that. Uh, Jesus said, even if you call a guy an idiot, you're in risk of the judgment. So what I all said, what I said all there is completely scriptural. And if we're honest in the presence of God, we might confess the same thing too, but maybe not in the presence of me and Heath on Rocky Mountain Revival Radio. I'll give you that. Right. So let's just confess this all out right now. Lord God, uh, and me too, Lord, I, I have made the mistake of probably being a problem in someone's life enough to where they might miss you. And please forgive me of that. I repent of that. Uh, I turn to you. I seek the one who can raise axe heads. I seek the one who could pull me out of an ocean sinking. I seek you, King Jesus, name above all names, Lord of Lords, help me. I'm in debt. Refresh me. Bring me up out of this sinking water world. Bring up my debt before you so it can be fixed. And help me walk in your righteous paths you have for me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Keith, what you got? Nothing at the moment, actually. I <laughs> I appreciate um, that whole segue. Actually, that was very well, ne- much necessary. Much ne- Okay, that's not English, but you get the idea. <laughs> it was that. It was that. Yeah. This is that. Says the Bible. You just quoted the Bible. This is that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> And we're the professionals. Hey, okay. We're a hey, Bible humor is allowed here. So. <laughs> okay. So um, where are we even at here, Peter? Okay, Peter, where are you at, dude? Okay. I think we're like 18. Yes. Okay. 19. Let's just go to 19. Yes. Okay. We're 19. Promising them freedom. Wow. Okay. Galatians, the only promiser of freedom is Jesus. I just want to point that out real quick. Uh, let's never take Jesus' place and promise someone freedom. But here's what Galatians 5.1 says. It is for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, in your freedom. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Promising them freedom while they, back to verse 19 of 2 Peter 2. Promising them freedom while they, they themselves are slaves of corruption. So you're preaching freedom, but you're a slave of corruption. Hmm, slight problem there. <laughs> just, 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 Hypocrite. Just a, just a wee tad. <laughs> Hypocrite. Okay. <laughs> um, for, because, for, by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. If you're overcome by it, you're enslaved. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. For after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become the worst, has become the worse for them than the first. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it 
to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. Verse 22. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing, a pig, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Wow. That's heavy, guys. Peter is saying God's grace, and, and I don't want to butcher what Peter's saying there, but one thing that comes to mind is Peter saying God's grace is not cheap. It's not cheap grace. God's grace actually changes lives. It's not something to stomp on, like a pig would stomp on God's pearl, his grace. Um, pigs wallow in the mire after they're washed all the time, every day. Yep, That's their nature. Um, Lord Jesus, let our nature not be like a pig. Let it be of a son of God. Lord, thank you that your grace is not cheap and that your grace is empowerment. It's super jet fuel from heaven to actually move on in your life, not to keep on repeating things. That's what the Bible is saying about grace here. God's genuine grace transforms. Right. Well, I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, what's beautiful about God's grace is the fact that he doesn't expect us to be perfect. Um, you know, he wants us to continue chasing after him. That We're still a work in progress for every moment that we're on this planet. We're, we're, we're never at a point of completion. And he fully expects that. You know, we might have been so embroiled in certain things that we're going to slip up down the road and we're going to repeat a same sin, you know, and, and there are other times where his grace is good enough that that he got us out of that, whatever it was, and it's done in that moment. It was done. It's completely forgotten by him, forgotten by us, like it's no longer a thing. And so it really, um, it, it's just really this amazing thing, how much he loves us and how much he wants that relationship with us and he knows that that we're gonna make mistakes that we're gonna fall short that you know even on our best day we still not might not be coming with the best thing to him you know that we can give that day and so but he has that grace for us to just look at us and to to want us to come to him broken or hurt or or in sin or whatever and just confess those things to him and, and to have conversations with him and just seek his face um in what we're doing and you know like any good so, parent, so we need his grace right we we need that as humans because we're um we're because we need the change yeah because we're, we've kind of been predestined since the fall to keep rolling that way you know where we're gonna sin we're gonna stumble we're gonna whatever so we need him we need his grace to get through um and and in christ you're predestined into his image right right thank god we need that after reading that sorry peter but we yeah. really need to think about other scriptures after reading that because not that we need to balance out peter's exacto message there um in every grace and faith uh that you have in this life um it is a place of operation in Christ, and it is also a place of overcoming. And uh, you're an overcomer. You're more than overcomers, Paul says. Right. So remember your true identity as a son or daughter of God. You're more than overcomers. And we just read here how there's ways of escape from the temptation. There's there's ways. Right. Well, and I want to say, too, that you know just because you have God's grace in your life, doesn't give you a blank check to just keep going and sinning. Um, you know, you have the grace to recognize that you need him to get you out of the, help you out of the stuff 
And then you have decisions to make from that point forward. Do I make this choice? Is this choice going to put me in opposition to what God has spoken over me or what God wants to me? So, you know, God knows you're going to make mistakes and you might repeat the same one, you know, where he might take you out of a, you know, dependency on alcohol. And so you don't have a drink and then years down the road, you slip up. Okay. It happens. But it's how your heart posture is with him. It's how your your relationship is with him. Um, That's good. That's because good. because in that moment when you when you make that choice, you have that drink. Um, you know, you can choose to recognize, you know, and just kind of spiral downward from there, or you can choose to recognize. Okay, you know what? I should not have done that, and I made that choice. And you can go to him, and you can say, "Hey, forgive me. Like I, you got me out of that. I made a bad choice." you know, forgive me. And, and I'm going to keep working to make sure I'm not making this mistake. That's a different set of grace than, you know, Hey, I'm getting rescued for something. And then I'm going out continually putting myself in situations and circumstances where I'm going to keep repeating that cycle that there's not, there's not room for that. Well, yes, you get your head out down the road and realize, okay, I was making a mistake and you come to him and get right with him again his grace is going to be there for that. But in that season where you're continually cycling through that, he's sitting there just like, what are you doing, bro? Like, you know, so the grace, the grace is there when we make mistakes, but it's not just a blank check to just go, just go out and sin and just go, you know, live willy nilly. Like that's not what the grace go is. Go hog wild, if you will. Or if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the scripture was just talking about going hog wild. So I'd be, okay. <laughs> I <love> so, it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Heath, we're not going to get into the sons of court today because Korah's Rebellion is homework. Guys, check out Korah's Rebellion in Exodus. Okay, well, in, in the Exodus season. Hey, what's our, uh, so we can refer our Actually, proof text. So, what's the Old Testament proof so text for that? So for, for the text for that, um, we briefly mentioned Exodus 6.24 for the sons of Korah, but actually the whole rebellion itself is talked about Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 through 40. Okay, guys, check that out. Read ahead on the sons of Korah, hypothesize, or if God flat out tells you, go with that. But um, check out the text and see what you gather from the rebellion of Korah or the sons of Korah. It's the same uh, reference. And um, see what you gather from that. And uh, next time we get into Jude, we'll we'll start there. So that that is the homework there. But um Keith, we this was so rich. I I knew we could barely get through a whole right. twenty-two verse thing. We barely ever get through a couple verses. <laughs> um, <laughs> so times ten that we did well. Okay, so um, you know, guys, uh, we were in our prep. We had a clear word from the Lord. There are some tonight who are realizing they sound a bit too much like the infiltrators Jude and Peter describe, the false teachers Jude and Peter describe. If that is you, if you're feeling the conviction of, you know what, I'm sloppy here. Maybe you're not like the full condemned version that they're talking about, but some of these attributes you don't want on you. Right. Well, that's God. That's God talking to you. And he's saying, I don't want these things on you, son or daughter. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on into more of me. Let's move on into more of Abel. Let's move on into more of Mm, Balaam doesn't have too many good example in it. Um, let's move on into looking more like Moses or Abel or Jesus or Elijah or Elisha. Let's move on into more 
types of Christ or Christ himself through types of Christ, we can learn more about Christ. You know, that's why I say that, that you know, right. we're not trying to exactly be Elijah or Elisha. We're trying to be exactly like Christ, but Christ embodies all the good things in the Bible. So if that is you, if you're feeling yucky right now, it's the Holy Spirit and it's okay because he's about to touch you. If you want better in your life, if you want to get rid of some of these ungodly traits in your life, he can touch you right now and he will. He's going to. So let's repent together. Let's repent together. Lord, I repent for looking too much like Balaam. I repent from looking too much like someone who would hinder a young child or a young spiritual child in you. Whether that's an old person, a young, a young old person or a young, young person. Lord, I repent. I repent for looking too much like the son of Korah, a Korah's rebellion. I uh, repent for looking too much like oh, an animal just going by the instinct. I repent for looking too much like Cain. Lord, let my entire life be a burning sacrifice to you. It's a reasonable sacrifice, Paul says. It's a reasonable sacrifice that we hop back on to the burning altar and we get burning for God again ourselves. Lord, we want to be that sacrifice. We turn to you, your fiery eyes, Lord, so you can light us on fire. Lord, we gaze into your eyes, Lord, the eyes of fire as stated in Revelation and in Daniel. Lord, we look into your face, Lord, that you would light us on fire again from the chest outwards, from the inner to the outer. Light us fully on fire. We don't want to be, we don't want to have strange fire like an infiltrator. We want to have real, original flame as, oh, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. As Reinhard Bonnke would, would say, we need original flame. We need to be on fire. We need to burn on the altar of the Lord. We need our life to be a place of remembrance to where God has moved in the earth. That is what we're saying. When we say hop back on the altar, you're saying, God, you're saying, God, I want my life. Not This isn't a recommitment prayer. That would do it injustice. We, God, I want my life to be a remembrance to people, an altar that stands, a remembrance that stands. Man, that guy burned for God. Man, God moved through that guy, that gal. Man, look at the altar of God here. It's still on fire. You throw a dead person on it. And, and, and they become alive like Elisha's bones. And this is touching some of you right now. And you're being cleansed right now by fire because you're saying, yes, I'll hop back on. I'll hop back on that altar. I want to be the burning sacrifice in the remembrance of God throughout more generations than just mine. I want my stories. I want my grandkids to tell my stories, my great grandkids to tell my stories. And it be a power testimony of what God can do. So God, I repent right now. And I want that better. I want legacy. I want good legacy. I want that better in my life. I don't want to look like Cain. I don't want to look like Balaam. I don't want to look like a son of Korah. I don't want to look like any of that. I want to look like Jesus. Even if I just look like his feet, I want to look like Jesus' feet. Even if I just look like Jesus' hands, his working ministry hands, his his architectural, architectural, if I'm saying that correctly, hands. You are. He was a carpenter. I want to look like his hands. I want I want to walk like him. I want to have a breast like him, a breastplate of righteousness. His chest his chest is righteousness. You receive that when you put on the armor of God. His chest, you receive his chest. 
His heart was completely righteous. Lord, I want his chest. Lord, I want his face. <coughs> Lord, Lord, Moses looked in your face and had to have a veil because he kept on being up there with you and looked and looked at you. And his face glowed. So like the moon glows from the sun's light, I want to shine like the moon. I want to look in your face. I want to look differently. I want to have a weird look walking around, a good look, a walking around people. You know, people say, hey, what makes you so different? I want to burn. I want to be light. I want to be salt and light. Thank you, Jesus, for touching these people right now. You're touching them right now. Some are falling to their knees. Some are thinking and receiving. They're receiving visions of God's better plan for them. God is telling them right now, some some now, some later, as you watch this video, God is sharing with you his plans for you. He's sharing with you his future for you. He's giving you prophecy. Will you choose to accept it? Yes. Choose to accept it. I hear yes. That's good. That's a good choice. Good job, viewer. I, great job. God's God's plan of of not only an exit strategy, but a living will strategy to get to the exit strategy. That's the best plan for you. Thank you, Jesus, for this work on this broadcast. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow, that was really good. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Well, um, while we didn't get as far as we wanted to get, I think we covered a lot of ground today. And so I thank everybody for tuning in with us. And and for those that are being touched right now, I just I thank you for allowing that opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work with you and <clears throat> extend a little conviction your way and, and you responding to that. And for those today too that that don't have a relationship with God, they've they've, they've never made that decision, never made that choice. Um, we never want to close uh, a show here without giving you that opportunity to accept Jesus. And there's no time like the present, guys. Um, tomorrow's not guaranteed or promised. And so, if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, you can. So we're going to give you that opportunity here. We're just got to say a simple prayer. We're going to say it together. Um, that way you're not feeling alone. So as a group, we'll just we'll join in with you. And so unless you're driving, we're going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and repeat this after me. We're going to say, Dear God. Dear God. I know that I have sinned. I know I've sinned. But I believe. But I believe. That Jesus died in my place. That Jesus died in my place. And God, you raised him from the dead. And God, you raised him from the dead. And so Jesus, Jesus, I confess, I confess that you are Lord. You are Lord. Please be Lord of my life. Please be Lord of my life. Wash away my sin. Wash away my sin. And give me the power to follow you. God, I need your power. Give me the power to follow you. Amen. Amen. Now, if you said that simple prayer, guys, we believe that you were born again. We'd love to share in that with you and celebrate with you. And, and if it's not us, share it with somebody. Share this decision with somebody. Um, if you have no one to share it with, you can write us a prayer at rmr.live. We'd be happy to celebrate with you. I'll send you a little, uh, uh, a little gift in the, in the email there. And uh, we'll just welcome you to the family and celebrate with you. And, you know, anytime someone's life... Uh, you know, someone gives their life to Jesus like this. There's a celebration going on in heaven. So if that was you today, know that there's a party happening in your honor because you made this choice. And of course, the next step after that is to get yourself into a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Holy Spirit-filled church. Uh, because again, you want to make sure you've got someone to come alongside you in this decision, in this choice you've made to walk with you, um, to give you the tools, the skills, the discipleship that you need 
um, to ensure your eternal salvation. And so <clears throat> if you don't have, uh, you know, an idea in your local area where a good church might be, you can write me at host.heath at rmr.live, and I'd be more than happy to partner with you, help you to find a church, or we can plug you into some online resources we have for the time being till we can find something for you. But again, um, I... I just want to, you know, make sure that you you're not walking this alone. We're we're more than happy to do that with you. And with that, guys, uh, thank each and every one of you for joining us today. As a reminder, if you liked today's teaching and the show's content, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your sisters, cousins, nephews, former roommate, Nana. I, heck, we don't care. Share it because sharing is caring. Okay, sharing is caring, guys. And remember to check out rmr.live for all the latest information and updates about the show. Like and subscribe to the show's YouTube and Rumble pages because, again, that's going to get us to the point where we can go live, and we definitely want to do that with you guys. Make sure to follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Truth, and all, all the stuff. You guys know what's out there. Um, podcast listeners, podcast listeners around the globe, thank you for tuning in every week and just blowing up. Uh, these episodes that we're releasing. We love each and every one of you. And the if, global congregation. That's right. We are we are honored that you tune in with us and the Lord every week and, and just spend some time. Um, and if you're curious about what podcast we're on, there is a list of those providers um, on the website and I believe be in the link below. Uh, or show description below, excuse me. And of course guys, if you in are benefiting from this ministry if this ministry has helped you in any way shape or form you feel led by the spirit to donate to us there are links to do so on the website they're going to be down below in the show description for those watching on your screen uh, we do have the new uh, Tithely app by the way to make giving so much easier um, and some other things we're going to roll out down the road with that app as well uh, app and website I should say with Tithely but all donations are going to go to hosting fee software equipment and of course, wherever the Holy Spirit directs us to give, we are still in partnership with a Redemption Squad. Um, and of course, some of our uh, missionary folks, uh, we're still accepting donations for them as well to bless those ministries. Um, and so again, seek tightly for that. There's just a quick thing right on there to, to allow you to do that. And remember, guys, get yourself into a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, and Holy Spirit-led church. Plug into groups and discipleship opportunities and serve in any way you can. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week, guys, and be blessed. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rocky Mountain Revival Radio.